everyone. That was great. Cheers. Great. So uh, my hand tells me that the first reading will be uh, Matthew 7, verses 12. Uh, sorry, 7 to 12. And you can find that on pages uh, 471 in the Pew Bibles and 1557 in the large print. I'll just give you a few seconds to find this. Great. So this is titled, Ask, Seek, Knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And our second reading is Luke 18, verses 1 to 5, and that's on uh, 1052 in the few Bibles and 1679 in the large print. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring justice for his chosen ones? He will cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is the word of the Lord. Okay, good evening everyone. Good to see you. Thank you Pete, thank you Josh, and thank you Mike for your reflections on our staff retreat. Um, What Mike didn't mention actually is he doesn't wear any pyjamas at all. (laughs) Which, I mean, wouldn't have been a problem, but we had one of those um, during the night fire tests and um, fire alarm tests, and it was really quite awkward and embarrassing, and, uh, and it was snowing, and uh, anyway, I lent him my scarf, so. <laughs> so, tonight, uh, we are thinking about petition, which has nothing to do with collecting signatures. It's really the most essential or basic form of prayer, asking God, please help. And that's what we're thinking about tonight. It's the form of prayer that we must all have prayed at many times in our lives. Indeed, uh, probably most of the population of the world have. But I want us to start just by, again, just sharing something with each other. So perhaps you can turn to uh, your neighbour and wondered if you could just share, if you feel able, uh, one answer to prayer that you've had at some point in your life that, that left you relieved, delighted or thrilled. Okay? Couple of minutes, off you go.
Okay. So if you can uh, just bring those stories to a close. Sorry to cut them short. Let's just have a quick show of hands. Um, who found those stories that you heard encouraging? Just put your hand up. Okay, so look around. Lots of hands up. And um, I think what it highlights is uh, something that really is the presupposition behind what I'm talking about tonight, which is that prayer works. Now, I'm not going to pretend that it always works in the way that we might hope. Of course, we know it doesn't. But there's a correlation. We pray, things happen. And those stories bear testimony to that. There have even been uh, scientific surveys where uh, sort of a control group uh, have been prayed for, for, for one thing, and another group haven't, and there have been clear uh, effects uh, that prayer has brought. It does change things. And it's also uh, right to say that the Bible is not surprised to hear that. The Bible is very clear that we are to pray and that prayer makes a difference. And that first passage we heard was a good reminder, wasn't it? Just uh, one example of many. Matthew 7, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And the explanation that Jesus gives is the character of God. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone or instead of a fish, a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What's he saying? He's saying that God answers prayers because he's how a heavenly Father who loves us. It's a start, the right starting point for any discussion of prayer, and it's the single most important principle that we need to grasp. He's saying that the creator of the universe is a kind, patient, generous dad. And if we think otherwise, well, really, it's a distortion of the truth. So what I want to share with you tonight is not really about whether we should pray. It's not even about why. It's about how we should pray, in prayers for ourselves and also in praying for others who don't know Jesus. So why don't we just take a moment, though, just to be honest with ourselves about where our prayer life is, is at right now. Let's just take a minute of silence, and I want you just to reflect on what the answer to that question is. And if you want to invite God to speak to you uh, through what we're thinking about today, then please do. So, off you go. Father, thank you that you know us and that you love us. And wherever we're at tonight, whether we're in a place of dryness in our prayer life, whether we're just looking at it from outside, as it were, this whole subject of prayer, just uh, curious to know more, whether it's the centre of our life and, and something that <coughs> feeds us every day, or whether we're really struggling with doubts and 
difficulties in our lives right now. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us all by your spirit, through your word. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to share with you uh, four, uh, sorry, three um, basically uh, main uh, things that I want to say about how we pray. And uh, the first of them is this, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean on one level that we don't need to impress God with great long prayers involving uh, great long theological words and lengthy explanations for what uh, we want from God and why he should give it to us. Um, That may well be a relief to you. It may even be a relief to God. But he sees straight into our heart and he knows everything about us. He doesn't need eloquent prose and he doesn't need finely nuanced arguments to persuade him. However, how many of you know the story of blind Bartimaeus? Just put your hand up if you do. (coughs) Okay, it's a very interesting story. And basically the gist of it is Jesus is walking along a road and uh, Bartimaeus is a a well-known blind beggar. And he's there begging. And everyone knows what's wrong with him. (coughs) And yet Jesus makes a point of asking him, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And uh, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Why does Jesus do that? (coughs) Well, there's a number of things we could say about that. Um, But the one that springs to mind is that God calls us to pray, even though he knows what we need. Why? Because I think he wants to make sure that we know that it's him that does it. And he wants to make sure that we know it's to him that we give glory when he answers it. And uh, we are commanded to pray. And we're encouraged to glorify God when he answers it. And um, so we're to keep it simple, which means we're to say honestly what it is that we're looking for from God. We're to accept the fact that we're never going to have completely pure motives. (coughs) And God can cope with that. But it also means that we need to cope with the fact that he may sometimes say no, just as any small child must do with their parents. (coughs) So, sorry, I just need some more water. Now, how many of you remember when you were a child and uh, your parents stopping you from doing something you really wanted to do? Just uh, put your hand up if you recall that. Pete Sheaf's hand went straight up. Obviously, a frequent occurrence for him. I have to say uh, that with my daughter, 18 months years, 18 months old, uh, it's a frequent occurrence as well. She is now very good at telling me what she wants. I have to say, she doesn't generally use words. She just points and makes noises. Um, But it is often the case uh, that she says what she wants, and yet I don't always give her what she wants. Now that might be a surprise uh, to Kate, Uh, I think she thinks I do, Um, but actually um, any good parent, don't they, they have to uh, basically have the big picture in mind. They have to have in mind what's right for a child uh, and sometimes uh, they make decisions accordingly. But it really is like that with us and God as well and as adults we sometimes find that quite difficult to accept and yet it's certainly true that if God gave us everything that we've ever asked for, well, I don't think things would work out anywhere near as well 
as they actually do. And I was just thinking back to when I was 23, maybe that's uh, the age that some of you are at, and if God had given me everything I asked for then, I would have married Claudia Schieffer. And uh, that obviously would have been disastrous, because uh, it turns out she's an Arsenal fan. Um, <laughs> someone shouted out this morning, uh, it wouldn't have been great for her either. Um, but <laughs> with encouragement like that, Mike Norris, who needs enemies? Anyway, <laughs> but I think there is a serious point behind that, isn't there? That actually, we do not see the big picture. And in my life personally, um, I thought I was going to get married in my mid-twenties, like a lot of people do. I didn't. It came more than 10 years later. But what I know looking back is that the situation that I was in enabled me to do, get involved in a sort of ministry with um, single people, with young adults um, and students. And actually, it was amazing. I was part of something that was really powerful, part of a huge community that really grew uh, and where many people came to faith. And looking back on it now, I know that God knew exactly what he was doing, and I thank him for that. And yet we need to remember that at any point in our life, it may be similar. God can see the good that he can bring through a situation we often can't. And so keeping it simple, I think, is about, yes, being honest with God about what we want. It's not using long words, it's being straight to the point. But it's also remembering that he is God and we are not. And Jesus said we should all come to God like children. And I think part of that is just remembering that he sees everything and that we can trust him with it. So that's the first thing I want to share about um, how we pray and how we pray for ourselves and how we pray for others. The second one is this. We need to keep it going. Keep it going. Now this is a reflection, of course, of the fact that sometimes we get discouraged Sometimes we get out of the habit of prayer, and maybe in that minute of silence, uh, you identified that you're in that situation right now. But Jesus told a very interesting and thought-provoking parable, and it's the other one that we heard read, the parable of the persistent widow. Now, I don't know what you think of that parable, but I think it requires us to read between the lines, to try and work out what's going on on there. And my reading between the lines would be like this. We've got a story of a powerless widow who is the epitome of weakness and helplessness. She's clearly being mistreated severely by someone. The law should be protecting her. And yet she is dependent on this heartless, selfish judge who cares neither about God nor about other people. He should be hearing her case, and yet he refuses that is the situation that she finds herself in. So what does she do? Essentially, what does she do? She stalks him. She pesters him. And uh, Jesus doesn't go into details, but in my mind, it's a picture of, of a woman who uh, basically finds out where this judge lives, and she hangs outside his house. When he leaves in the morning, there she is, pleading with him. Uh, when he gets to the court and, and comes out for lunch, there she is, waiting for him. When he looks out at the crowd in the court, there she is, listening, knitting, waiting for him. He leaves. She pleads with him again. She follows him home. She's hanging outside his house at night. And it goes on day after day, week after week. And eventually, he's so heartless He's so selfish, and yet even he gives in, and justice is done. What is Jesus saying? 
Is he saying that God is reluctant and heartless, but eventually being, uh, is capable of being worn down if we're sufficiently annoying? Of course he's not. Jesus is arguing, as he often does, from the lesser to the greater. He's saying that even if someone as heartless and as selfish as this judge gave in, well then how much more will our loving Heavenly Father, as Jesus described him to be, respond to us? And his conclusion to his listeners and his conclusion for us tonight, that we should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. So, have you stopped praying? Probably not entirely, but have you stopped praying for something that you long for? For a breakthrough in a long-held struggle, for a, a great leap forward in your faith, for the salvation of someone close to you, for a mighty act of God in some other desperate situation? Have you, or have you just stopped praying routinely? Have you just stopped bringing every day before your Heavenly Father and asking Him to work? Well, Jesus' word for us tonight is keep it going. Play the long game, because sometimes that's when the most incredible answers to prayer come. Maybe some of the stories you heard at the beginning were like that. And here's a story now that I want to tell you that certainly is, it's true, and it's truly encouraging. So, 562, there was a pagan English king called Ethelbert. Put your hand up if you've heard of him. <coughs> That's actually more than I expected. Well, here he was, Ethelbert, <coughs> and his wife became a Christian. And being a, a nice husband, he decided to build a chapel for her uh, so that uh, she could go off and do her church stuff. And she used to go to this chapel every day, so it's recorded. And uh, for 35 years, she prayed for him every day in that chapel. And he still was not a Christian. Fast forward to 597 AD. And a bunch of monks came uh, to England from Rome. And they preached the gospel there. And wonderfully, eventually, Ethelbert became a Christian. And uh, he invited many more monks to come over. Um, and uh, one of them, called Augustine, you may well have heard of him. He built Canterbury Cathedral on the site of that chapel. And out of that cathedral came an evangelism movement that went throughout the nation and actually led to Britain becoming a Christian country at last. 35 years she prayed. And what an amazing answer to prayer eventually came, one that we're still experiencing the benefits of here today. And Pete Gregg, who is one of the writers of the prayer course. He's based here in Guildford, and uh, he's someone who's travelled around the world, um, actually uh, for 15 years or more with 24-7 prayer movement, which he's very involved in, listening to what God is doing around the world. And this was his reflection on actually the value of persisting in prayer. He says this, I often think of it in terms of dominoes. You know, you keep stacking up your prayers one after the other, and they're pretty much the same as before. After a while, you run out of new ways of saying the same thing. But you don't just give up. You keep praying. And then one day, the, pray, the prayer you've prayed a million times before, and something amazing happens. The whole lot comes down. You get the breakthrough you've been looking for all these years. We just have to keep stacking dominoes. 
So what I have to say to you tonight is what is God calling you to keep on praying for? Is it a particular person? Is it a particular situation? Well, what we're encouraged to do by Jesus and uh, by all we've been thinking about is keep it going. And if you've stopped praying, get going praying again. Now, that's not to say there won't be unanswered prayers that are incredibly painful. And this is such an important topic and a real one for many people at any point in time that we're going to devote a whole session to it in three weeks' time as we look at that subject um, and the sermon will be on that in three weeks' time. But let me just say this. If we are in one of those really difficult times at the moment where we feel we've hit a red light with something that we're praying about, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a need for guidance or or whether it's just that that hunger for our, our spiritual life to be renewed. And it's this. These are the times, these times of darkness and sadness, when more than ever we need to hold on to God's love, not to give up on his love, not to doubt God's love, because he is the one who holds us through it, who can carry us through it, and who gives us the comfort and the consolation and the peace that nothing else can bring. We need God. We need him all the time. And we especially need him then. Keep on going. Keep on trusting. And God will hold you fast. So I've got one more section then of what I want to share. And I've got four little subpoints. And the overall title is this. Keep on focused. Keep on focused. What do I mean by that? What I mean is we need to uh, do the things that help us to pray for the right things, which allows us to pray in a way that's as fruitful as it can be. And the first recommendation or suggestion I want to make is this, pray with others. Pray with others. Now, why is this important? Well, Jesus himself clearly thought it was. He said in those famous words, when two or three are gathered, I am there. And I'm not going to try and pretend... Uh, to explain, uh, I can un- explain exactly what that means. But what I do know is it brings a greater faith and confidence as we draw on the faith of another. How do other people help us to focus? Well, we believe that when, uh, when we allow someone to minister to us in that way, what we commonly call prayer ministry, we believe the Holy Spirit is at work. Often the Holy Spirit uh, prompts that person praying for us to pray in a way that is particularly pertinent, particularly helpful. It helps us just to see what God is doing in that situation. And um, when I've been prayed for by someone else, um, I've often experienced a, a sense of his presence, a sense of confidence, a sense of encouragement, and sometimes a, a physical experience um, of God's love and God's power that has just completely transformed me from someone who's feeling dry, who's feeling weak, who's feeling sad, who's feeling far from God. And actually I've come out of that feeling encouraged, empowered and full of hunger for him again. Is that where you're at tonight? Well, I want to suggest that the best thing you could do um, later in this service is allow someone to pray with you and see what God does in that place of encounter to encourage you, to strengthen you, and to show you how much he loves you here tonight. 
So that's the first bit of advice about keeping on focus. The second is this. It's great to pray incrementally and not just for the the big picture, as it were. Now, we all know we have end goals in mind, don't we? If we're thinking about evangelism, as as we are thinking tonight, uh, looking ahead to next Sunday and the Alpha course, um, we may well have someone in mind that we would love to see come to faith. Now, it's a great thing that we pray, dear God, please bring that person to faith. And that is a great and important prayer to pray. But sometimes it's really valuable, not just to focus on the whole staircase, as it were, but the next step that God wants to take us on, to break it down into individual steps. And there can be a power in doing that. For example, we might want to pray with that person in mind, God, please give me a good conversation the next time I see them. Or please give me a particular opportunity to share my faith. Or God, this week, please would you do something in their life that opens them up uh, to think about you more next time I'm with them. Do you see what I mean? If we break it down into individual steps, that can be a really helpful way to pray as well. And the great news is that you don't even know what, need to know what those individual steps are. You can ask God through the Holy Spirit to prompt you how to pray. And my testimony is when we invite him into our prayer life in that way, that actually he starts to do really very special and significant things. Now, related to that is my third tip about keeping focused. And this is to learn to pray specifically as well as generally. Now, the sort of stereotypical prayer that a child or or actually many adults pray is along the lines of, dear God, please bless so-and-so and so-and-so, whether it's our parents or our children or our siblings or our best friends. What is actually more helpful, I think, is to remember that maybe God is saying to us, just like Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what exactly do you want me to do for you? And we can break it down, can't we, into uh, more specific things. Thinking about our children, for example, if we have them who are at school, we might pray that they would make better friends today, that they'd achieve something today that would boost their confidence, that they would help someone in a way that just grows the gift of kindness in them, or that God would do something in their life today that shows them how much he loves them. Pray specifically and ask God to show you what what it is that he wants you to pray for. And I think that can be really helpful in in unlocking uh, that sense of not knowing what to pray for and, and maybe lacking the motivation to pray as well. Now here's the fourth tip as we think about how to pray and how to stay focused on the right things, and that is to pray biblically. Now what do I mean by that? Well, do I mean having our Bible open? Well, maybe. I don't think it's particularly important whether it's there at the time or not. But what I do mean is that the Bible is shaping our prayers. Now, what does the Bible have to say that would help us in our prayer life? Well, the Psalms are full of examples of prayers in a a range of different situations, different emotions. Uh, They can be helpful. Jesus prayed And we can see some of the prayers that he prayed, for example, John 17, and see what we learn from that. And even more useful, I think, are the examples of prayers that we see in Acts, and then particularly in the epistles, and particularly Paul's letters. And Paul doesn't just include prayers in his letters. What he actually does is tell 
his readers what it is he's praying for. Why does he do that? Is he just sort of showing off? What he's doing, of course he's not. What he's doing is he's helping them to understand what a Christian mindset actually is. He's helping them to see their own lives, their own church, their own challenges and their own opportunities in the light of God's perspective on them, which we can define as reality, as things as they really are, how God sees them. So what does it mean to pray biblically? I think it means that we allow what we learn in the Bible about God's priorities to actually become the things that we prioritise in our own lives. They, as it were, are the uh, checklist by which we evaluate whether things are going well or badly, how we evaluate uh, what's most important to us in our lives. Crucially, it should inform what we actually choose to pray for and how we spend our time. And the idea should be that when we align ourselves with God's priorities and what he longs to do in us, well, that's when answers to prayer are most likely to come. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that the Lord's Prayer, which is our focus for the whole of this course, actually um, is quite particular in the order in which it places things. Last week, uh, we looked at adoration and we used as our core text the opening line of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, today we're focusing on the next three lines, which are these. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread. Now, what does daily bread mean? It means basically everything that we need. In fact, everything that we desire as well. Bread represents what we ask God for, for ourselves. And crucially, what Jesus is saying is, first of all, ask that God's kingdom would come. Ask that God's will would be done. And then allow your own requests, your own priorities, to find their place within that context. It's very similar to where Jesus, in those famous words, said, "Uh, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about where you live. And don't worry about what you wear. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be given to you. Now, I wonder whether you actually uh, want to have your prayers answered. I'm sure you do. But it seems to me that the crucial thing, if we want our prayers answered, is that we actually pray the things that God wants and we make his desires our own. Now just think about it like this. What did Jesus say about having our prayers answered? He said, whenever you pray in my name, then I will answer. Whatever you ask for in my name, I will give you. What does it mean in his name? Is it just like a line that we throw on at the end of a prayer? No, what it means surely is, if you pray for the things that I want, if you pray as it were on my behalf, if you are putting first my kingdom and what I long to do as your Lord and Saviour in your life, that's when your prayers are answered. If you want to know true power, true fulfilment, true joy, and to find this happening day after day after day after day, then pray for the things that Jesus calls you to pray for. Pray for his kingdom to come. Pray for his will to be done and pray that 
this would happen in your own life and that he would use you to bring it to bear in others' lives too. That's how we have our prayers answered. To allow Jesus' priorities, to allow what Scripture tells us is on God's heart, to ask that we would be part of his kingdom coming and to seek that his will is done in our lives and that he uses us to do his will in others. Well, I want to finish then by bringing it back to the question of sharing our faith. Now, it was great what Josh got us to do a little bit earlier, very um, heart-rending uh, as well, just to listen to those names of people that we care about, um, often those that we want to come to faith. And um, what I want to encourage us with is this. If we really hunger for what God wants in our lives, if we're going to say, God, I care about nothing but that your will is done, if we say to God, I want to have your heart, if we say to him, I want to lay down anything else so that I would take up what you have laid on my heart, well, then we are going to see the most amazing things happen. We need to keep praying. We need to keep praying for the things that God calls us to pray for. We need to allow others to encourage us. And we need to remember that God is sovereign, that God is powerful, that he loves us. And when we align ourselves with him, that is the spirit-filled life. That is the prayer-powered life. That is the life of a disciple. And that is the life where the power of the early church can become real in our own lives and our own church. So we're coming now to the moment where we think about how we're going to respond to all of this. And I, I want to encourage us just to be honest again about where we're at and um, perhaps if the band can come up at this point, and um, I want us just to think about whether we're in one of these three situations. And if you are, um, this is a particular opportunity for you um, to respond, um, to have uh, the blessing of someone else praying with you. We'd really encourage you uh, to do that. And where I believe if you make this the moment where you are going to invite God into this situation where you are going to ask him for a breakthrough, when you are going to invite him to do something, something significant in your life, that things will be very different. So, maybe you're in a situation where you need God's help. Things are difficult. Maybe it's uh, in your personal life. Maybe it's the situation a loved one is in. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's you're needing guidance. Maybe it's uh, the fact that uh, you just feel far from God. We would love to pray for you. And if this is you, please do come and uh, take the opportunity to be prayed for. Or maybe you're in this situation. You want to hear God's voice better. It's so important, isn't it, that we can hear what God is saying to us. Or if that's you, 
if you want to hear what he's saying to you here tonight, we would love to pray for you. Or maybe you just want to reach out to others more effectively. We've heard this call to invite someone next week, to invite someone to Alpha, that actually God's heart is that his kingdom would grow and that people would come into it. Well, if that's you, if that's what God's laying on your heart, well, we would love to pray for you for that as well. Can I invite us to stand? Let's just take a moment just to open ourselves up to God and to what he is prompting us to do here this evening. Now, we often uh, ask God to fill us with his spirit. We've done that already this evening. And I like to think about it in different ways, depending on the situation that we're in. And tonight, um, I just want to encourage us that being filled with the spirit is actually about a clearing of the airwaves. It's actually about uh, the spirit just um, sweeping away all of that noise in our lives, which is the other priorities, the distractions, uh, the, the things that can quite easily occupy our mind or our hearts. And to be filled with the Spirit is just to say, God, would you just sweep through and just wash that stuff away so that I can hear your voice again? So why don't we just open ourselves up to him tonight? And I believe confidently that he's going to uh, speak to us individually as we open ourselves to him. So, Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit again tonight. Do you come, Holy Spirit? Do you sweep through us this evening? Would you wash away all that noise, all that's distracting us? And as we wait on you now, Would you show us what you're calling us to pray for? Would you show us how you're calling us to respond? Come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. And so this is an opportunity now, um, as we always offer, uh, for you to be prayed for and to know that encouragement, that experience of God's presence that comes when someone else prays alongside you. So if any of those things that I've spoken about has spoken to you, whether it's a breakthrough that you're looking for, whether it's a renewal of your prayer life, whether it's an equipping and an unlocking of your potential to witness to him, why don't you come forward now? And if the prayer ministry team could make themselves available here at the front, that would be great too. We would love to pray for you. This is a safe place. Do not leave here tonight. If you want a breakthrough in your life, 
if you want to want to pray more, if you want to pray for the things that God wants you to pray for, and to see the things that he wants to do in your life to happen. If you want to be used by him. So this is a chance now for you to be prayed for. The band are going to lead us in a song quietly as we continue to respond. And take this opportunity now as we sing, just to come forward and we'll pray for you here. This is great, guys. It'd be great to have some more.